Welcome to the In Faith Podcast. What's up, In Faith family? Welcome back to another episode of the In Faith Podcast. It's hard to transition into a new year the way we are, always at the beginning of the year, too. Mm-hmm. You know, last last week when we did the uh, New Year's Day episode, it was, it was really cool to um, get that kind of conversation and topic and insight going on. Um, it, to me, it was a good way to get into a new year. <clears throat> But then as the week progressed, um, it, you start to realize how difficult it is to transition into a new year when you're filling out paperwork or you're putting dates mm-hmm. on stuff. I, I filled out an, an entire thing of paperwork, and I, it wasn't until I got to the end that I started realizing that I was still putting the year 2023 on the dates. <laughs> and it, it's just... Uh, it's one of those things that it's going to take a few months to transition to. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not the only one. I know that's like a common thing. And when the new year transitions over, you spend a whole year, you know, putting one date down. And then um, by the time you get that down pat, the year changes again. Mm. So it's at least for me, I mean, it takes a, a few months to, to realize you're in a new year. You know, Sometimes my um, head works differently. But as you were saying that, I started thinking about the Jews and how they had been living with the law of Moses Mm -hmm. for, I don't know, a thousand years before Jesus came along. And Jesus said, yeah, but that law was never there to save you. It was always about faith and God. And you're talking about how hard it is to change. How hard would it have been there for the Jews? These are people that God made specifically. I mean, he took Abraham and started the Jewish people from Abraham. Yeah. And and gave them very specifically, you know, laws to live by. It was a theocracy with God as their king for many years. And then, you know... Kings were anointed by by the prophets, and they had the prophets, and everything was so focused and and working through this same manner, and they were in a society in which everybody believed the same things about God, and then for someone to come along. Shake up the whole thing. Yeah. They didn't have to just worry about um, changing a year. Mm-mm. They had a whole thousands of years to to rewire what they were really believing in. When they had to rethink about everything they had been taught. Because it had gotten to the point where they had believed that following that, it seems like from what we read of what Jesus says and and stuff, that, uh, that they had begun to believe that following the law itself is what saved them. Mm-hmm rather than that dependence on God who gave them the law, who gave them the law so that they could live better lives. 
because without it, if you're trying all kinds of other stuff, you know, it, it doesn't lead to, uh, to a good life. It was always meant to be more of a guide than a yeah. requirement to be saved. Yeah. When you think too, it's not even so much that, um, it all changed overnight. I mean, they, we read, there's a lot of pushback. Oh yeah. You know, so much so. I through mean, the prophets, look, all the way through the prophets. Yeah. So much so they even go to call him a, a false prophet and, um, charge him with what blasphemy and, yeah. and, and all this. It's like, uh, not only were they having to, and, and you do see eventually that some of them kind of start to receive that because we were just talking about what last week, how um, even those who were on the journey of um, ministering Christianity and ministering um, God's word and, and Jesus being the savior, they, they were still trying to make accommodations with the Jews to find some sure. sort of mutual ground to be able to move forward together. Right. But prior to that, there, there, it, that didn't go both ways. The Jews were like, no, this can't be right. It is the law. It is the law. That's what, right. That's what we're going by. And you're going against that law. So right. you got to go. Even though Jesus did nothing to break God's law, he only broke the additional things that man put on top of it. Yeah. As sort of hedging to make sure they don't break God's law. They put a bunch of other laws in front of it. Um, and, and that's what you would do if you believe that's what saves you. Then you would ultimately say there's, then there's no way, you know, we've got to put up all kinds of other things. So what do you think? You think it was a, uh, the UK, you have the, 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 the bench law and then all the laws under it were more like prevention laws. Yeah. And even, but even some of them were more, um, self-willed. Sure. Laws, to benefit, you know, benefit those that are yeah. making the laws. Not that we have any, um, anything we can see that works that way today. So, uh, I guess that's just human nature the way it comes out again. Unfortunately, that's the corrupt human nature that we are all born into. That uh, without Christ, without changing, then it is. Everything is looked towards benefiting yourself. Everything you're doing in your life, including the air quotes good yeah. things that you're doing, uh, have an aim at also benefiting you. I think some of it has a little bit to do with the addiction of being right, too, because... What, what did they have? They had like the high priests and um, this council, if you will, that kind of oversee these laws and ensured that they were being upheld. And then they would put more laws into effect to make sure that the other laws were being upheld. But then they'd put some laws in there that um, supported their position and their power and right. things of that nature. And, and But who appointed them? You know, so it's like, I think a lot of... Uh, you know, some of the laws were in there to protect them from being called out on being, if they were wrong. Yeah. Or they, it protected them from being called out by anybody, really. Because we did see, we, we do see there's kind of a, everything's kind of built around some hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And even not so much, you know, 
I, I guess right now I'm leaning more toward like the Roman part of it where if 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 you weren't in this circle you were automatically deemed poor and they did everything they could to keep you there. Mm. Um not so, maybe not so much with the Jews but um still kind of the same concept that you know there's the, this hierarchy and then you had your council overseeing all the laws and then all these laws being put into effect to benefit themselves and kind of prevent not only their law the, the law being broken but to prevent them from being called out against it. Yeah. And it's funny, I was just thinking through the middle of that, like you were saying that, and it continued on. I mean, people believing that that God had placed them in these good circumstances so that they are on this council and everything, and um, and that, you know, other people were, were poor and had to struggle and all of this, that they saw that as that was their place that they can claim as their own because they were put there. That's hard to, I'm not, I'm not wording it right, but you see that through the, the monarchies Mm -hmm. up in Western Europe for the rest of the time where they literally believed that they were higher and better by God's choice of where they were placed. And of course, Jesus had thrown away that kind of thinking way, way back, <laughs> you know, back when he was here. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's hard to get rid of. We don't get rid of it in today's society. People whose families um, continue to run things and run things and run things, they start believing that's their, that's their right. That's where they are as, as, as a family, as a group. They, yeah, the heirs to the power, yeah. the heirs to the throne. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so many places in here where Jesus—I mean, Jesus even tells them at one time, "Hey, it's harder for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven than even for a camel to go through the eye of the needle." And yeah, all that. That, but that's just flat out saying that that it's not necessarily the best thing in the world. If oh, and I've heard so many people. I've heard so many, yeah, I've heard so many people um, kind of misconstrue that, that verse mm-hmm. um, and automatically deem it. Well, if you, if you make a lot of money or you're rich, um, you're not going to heaven. And it's like, oh, that's, I mean, and I've, I've brought this up in, in Bible studies before that, um, you know, b- being in a position where you are in a wealthy place doesn't necessarily make you anti-Christian or I think what I took from it is, and, and by no means am I in a place to take offense to that, you know, I'm <laughs> the furthest thing from, a, you know, a very wealthy man, but it's, it, I'm, I'm wealthy in Christ, you know, not, but I, I have met quite a few people who are pretty well off and, and um, they have really big hearts and are faithful to God. I think, what I took from it is it's where he says it's harder for mm-hmm. somebody's rich to get into heaven than it is for the the camel to go through the, the eye of the needle is the, the, so much temptation. Yes. So much temptation when um, you're in a position like that. It, there, there's so much temptation from the world. Mm-hmm. There's so much temptation in the freedom. Yeah. There's so much temptation in um, 
just that over sense of free will that each and every one of us have, none of us are, are immune to it. No, but it's easier to make a, a, a better decision when you're limited as opposed to when you're not. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I, 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 what I took away from it because I did have, uh, <laughs> I had somebody once tell me during a Bible study that, uh, basically it, it's not even riches. He, he basically said anybody who makes money, anybody who works is considered rich and everybody falls into that category <laughs> of not being able to get into heaven because, um, we worked for a living. And I was like, uh, let's talk about that. You know, that I stopped the Bible study and I think you were there that day. I know, you know, but, uh, it's, it's, I had to stop it. And I was like, well, l- let me explain what I'm taking away from this. And then we'll loop it back around because we hear it all the time. Money's the root of all the evil. It can be the love and it's the love of money, you know, but if we look at it as a tool that God's provided and we distribute it as such, um, I, I don't, consider it such an evil thing if we're not chasing the money more than we're chasing God. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's gotta be seen as a tool. Right. And we got to pray. And then that being said, when I first heard that it's nothing more than a tool to complete a project, if you will, or a tool to, be used as such, it, it really got me into the mindset of, okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? Because we hear it time and time again in sermon and after sermon, after Bible study and so on and so forth, that everything we have, God provides. Mm-hmm. That includes the, 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 the income, the currency, the money. And we're to give, we're, we're to tithe a portion of that back, pray on the rest and ensure that we know we seek his guidance into what to do with it, which I think helps avoid that love of money mm-hmm. is to know that it doesn't belong to us and it's not, it's going to do us no good in heaven. We don't need to take it with us. And the amount of money we make on earth isn't going to put us in a, a better category in heaven, mm-hmm. you know, like it would on earth. It's just not ran the same. And that kind of leads me to, I say all that to, to get here, to, to get to the topic of how God speaks to us and the ability, I think, to listen, because I struggle with that. You know, when we look at the topic of how God speaks to his people, um, like what we're going to bring up here Shortly, we'll get to it in in um, Acts 16 with Paul. And we see it earlier on in that too. We see it quite a few times in mm-hmm. Acts where the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul and told him not to go somewhere, not to stay somewhere, or told him even where he was going to be ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Just like when we see he knows he's not going to get stopped before he gets to Rome when he's he's going through that potential ambush, he knows that's probably not going to be the end because he hasn't made it to Rome yet. 
but also at the same time, you know, the, he, the Holy Spirit spoke to him to, to even leave places before saying, hey, right. they're not going to accept my word here. They're not going to accept what you have to say. You need to leave. Then come to find out he's getting pushed out anyway. They were plotting against him mm-hmm. in the midst of all that. What's cool, though, is, um, and I'm, I might be going off topic just a little bit here, but what, what's cool is we see Paul go back to some of those same places that um, he was led to leave earlier on. It just wasn't in God's time yet. Mm-hmm. Not to say that it wasn't going to happen, right. that he wasn't going to preach there. It just wasn't time yet. Right. And I think when understanding how God speaks to us, we need to understand his timing too. Because how many, I, I can tell you n- multiple times that I've overlooked what God's speaking to me because I wasn't prepared to allow it to be on his time. Mm-hmm. So w- we get caught up in so much in the, the, the sense of thinking that God's not talking to us because it's not on our time. Right. Sometimes it's because we don't want to hear what he's saying or we're afraid we don't want to hear, right? Like I'm not even going to listen because I know what I want to do. And um, if he's not saying the same thing as I want to do, then... We just don't hear it. Uh Uh-huh. Or we choose not to. Right. It's like... uh, The warning signs. We we all hear about selective hearing. You know, I, I... I've gotten told I when I was a kid I had selective hearing, what? and then the kids have selective hearing, and we, we all hear about selective hearing, but how many times do we have selective hearing when being spoken to by God, being guided by the Holy Spirit? How, how many times do we have that selective hearing where he's speaking to us and we're overlooking it because, like you said, it doesn't, it, it's not, he's not saying what we want to hear. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of another side to it that I wanted to touch on is it, it's not the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. If you're like me, I always used to think prior to even becoming a believer that if I didn't hear an audible voice, mm. he just wasn't talking to me. Because I think a lot of it had to do with the phrase of him speaking right. to us. I'm like, well... I've heard it testimony after testimony. Oh, God told me to do this, or God told me to leave this, or God told me this was going to happen and that I needed to be here when this happened or fill in the blank. So being, um, I guess, ignorant to it all and, and probably a lot of worldly arrogance, I was like, okay, well, if I don't hear an audio like an audible voice, then uh, I must not be in his plan. So why chase, you know, chase down being a believer if he's mm-hmm. not talking to me? If he wanted me, he'd tell me. Right. But it was arrogance. It was ignorance. It was it was me coming up with an excuse to not even take that step forward. Fast forwarding from there, now it's still a big struggle. Because it can come in so many different forms. God can speak to us through somebody we talk to on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. God can speak to us by using somebody else right. to tell us something. Right, could be in the midst of a, a sermon. Mm-hmm. It could be a phone call. It could be fellowship. It could be anything. He, he can speak to us through that um, 
kind of pull on your heart that you feel sometimes to um, go a certain way over, over the other. He can speak to us by giving us that kind of uh, that second guess. Mm-hmm. I like to call it. It's like, well, this is what I would do, but I feel something like a pull to do this instead. You know, I've, I've come to believe that sometimes that's God kind of guiding us the other way from going down the road of our own will to his. Mm-hmm. But I, so what I'm trying to get at is how do we know is a good question. And we know how we know, but for those listening, it's like, how, how, how do you differentiate how God speaks to everybody individually when we're waiting on his guidance or his confirmation? And I bring that up because over the past few weeks, for me, it's been hard to differentiate my own patience and maybe certain things not moving as fast or quickly as I'd want them to and getting caught up in because of that, I'm not able to hear because I won't say God, it wasn't speaking to me or showing me anything. I've kind of um, learned to grow away from that mentality that he's just not there. Um, or he's not speaking. It's just the, the, my ability to allow myself to hear what he's, where he has me at that point in time. So well, I guess what are good way, ways to avoid potentially not hearing him? And this may sound strange, but I think sometimes for us to hear him better, we have to not be concerned or questioning so hard how he is speaking. You got to eliminate the noise. Sometimes even the noise we create. Right. And sometimes the noise we create is, why aren't you telling me anything? Um, or, or the question of, is this you? Is something that happened to me? Is that you, God, showing me something? Um, it, you know, I think it can be, it can be tricky because, because kind of we make it tricky. I think um, we, and I shouldn't say we. I <laughs> would prefer there be a nice, easy show of it. Yeah. You know, I I prefer you know it it to be a you know this is God and you must do this. Um, and then I, f- I feel like uh, that I would know right. I wouldn't. I would still mess that up in some way. But uh, focusing on am I hearing from God or or all that rather than continuing to do what you know he's already shown us to do, what he expects us to do, um, isn't, to me, I don't think it's, the right answer. Maybe there is a time when, like you said, when there's so much noise in your life, you've got to cut all that mess out and be able to focus on God and be able to read his word and focus on, on God. I, and again, if you're cutting out the world, but you're not reading his word, you're probably not helping yourself. If all you're doing is sitting and saying, I want to hear you. I want to hear you. Well, you're in a self-isolation with nothing but your own thoughts. And since we're talking about God talking to us, 
he never talks to us more than he does in the Bible itself. Because we have to remember that is his living word to us. All scripture is God's word to us. And I know that that, you know, is made fun of and all this kind of stuff today as if uh, you can't know and everything else. We know because God's the one who flat out says, even at the beginning of, of John, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word is in this Bible that we have right now. And we know that because it's told us, and we know that because we have God that wants to talk to us and wants us to have assurance that it's Him. And He has preserved His Word I mean, we can do everything and go back, and, and we should. We should make sure we find the uh, the oldest manuscripts there are, and we should uh, look at them and, and everything else because obviously men have been involved in writing it and keeping it going and rewriting it, copying it. But God is the one who preserved it. Right. God is the one who gave those men that originally wrote it a very special ability to write what he wanted down. And we got to know that. It's not that, uh, you know, the people that wrote it, and again, they're like uh, people like to have a lot of controversy over it, but there's still good reason to believe that it was actually Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that wrote these. And God gave them what he wanted on there. Their personalities come out in how they write because there's still people. God never turns us into robots. Right. And he didn't turn them into robots. But uh, I think that's the, the first thing for us to remember is God's main way of wanting to speak to us and mainly how he speaks to us is through the word that he has preserved for us. That scripture is the word of God. Amen. Well, and sometimes I think in in the, the ability, I guess, or the need to cut out noise is the need to not necessarily, you know, cut the world off. We want to. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what we always lean to, oh, all the noise, the noise, the noise. It's in the world. It's all around me. But the loudest noise that is stuck in our head is the noise we create ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when when needing to clear out that noise is needing to get out of our own heads. Right. And I think a lot of what's debated on when it comes to God's word, not even debated, but argued, is we're still, to this day, trying to make sense of what it means or make sense of it to ourselves, to understand it in the way that we can. Mm-hmm. But we know as uh, as believers that his word goes beyond our own understanding, and we're actually told in James not to lean on our own understanding and I strongly believe that's the reason why. Right. Because we don't have the ability to understand God's plan, even if we were to know, like you said, even if we were to know or get what we were waiting on, that clear voice of mm-hmm. God saying, go here, and we'd still mess it up. Right. But I think that's why it doesn't come as simple as we want it, because even if it was as clear cut as we wished it were, what would we do with that information? Mm -hmm. 
And we talk about it uh, time and time again. If we were to know where God had us next week or next year, where would our faith come from? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I got to be honest. I'm when it comes to uh, the faith of of God's plan for me. Sometimes I miss that mark, probably more times than none, mm-hmm. because I'm still struggling with that impatience, and still struggling with well, this this sounds good, and this is what I think I want. Um, now I got to pray that it happens for me mm-hmm. as opposed to letting God's will be God's will, because it's going to pan out that way regardless. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of my, my biggest struggles is to comprehend. I don't have a whole lot of control over where God has me today and I can try and fight it mm-hmm. all I want. I can try and pull those reins and take a hold of them all I want just to steer myself into a place I never wanted to be to begin with. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, having target fixation. You know, you take a hold of those reins, you don't want to hit that curb. So, you, you know, what do we do? We're going to look at what we don't want to hit so hard that when we grab the reins of, of the control that God should have, we're steering ourselves right into what we don't want. Mm-hmm. where we don't want to be and not even realizing it, but that's from experience, from my own experience. Every time I've tried to take the reins, I've ended up in the one place I didn't want to be. Right. It seems like this idea of us having control seems like it should be recognized as so obviously false mm-hmm. <laughs> that we don't have control, yet we struggle so hard to continue to have control and even like you're saying even with if we feel like god has told us something we want to control making it happen Mm. but even in one of paul's letters he talks about that hey if god has started this why are you then trying to grab it and control it what god has started god will finish I feel like a lot of our, you know, and what he shows us to do, we've got to do. Right. That's That step needs to be there as well. Um, but a lot of our problem, or my problem, <laughs> is often tied to um, making, hearing what God has for us. Because it started, often it starts with me and what I want. Mm-hmm. And so it's like then I and I'm upset that I'm not hearing from God. Well, I'm not hearing from God because what I want is not what He's talking to me about. He's talking to me about what I need to be doing, about about you are where you are because I want you to do this, that, and the other. Um, and and I don't ever hear anything blatant and obvious and clear that way. For me, everything is almost hindsight to say. I feel moved in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I know that, you know, things that years ago I would say, hey, I just thought of this. Wasn't that amazing? Well, I didn't just think of it. God just gave it to me. Right. You know, um, those kinds of things are the ways that I'm going to hear it. And I try to get along with, so to say, a quiet expectation that, God is going to be 
turning me and showing me and helping me get to his place so that I'm not sitting around questioning um, what he's saying about something that I want to know about. You know what I mean? Some of the surrender, I believe, in our lives is for yes. us to quit throwing what we want in front of God and praying about it. That we should be praying firstly on what do you want from me, God? Here I am. Here's the person you put in front of me and, you know, they've got problems or they've said this. How do you want me? How can I help them? How can I help them? All these types of things that, uh, you know, it's God is fully, truly, really in control of everything. So, And I'm not saying that in a way that our, we don't have choice because we do. We have choice, but he's still in control of melding everything together, weaving it all together. So if you are where you are, you're, you're where God has worked you into it unless you've fought and scraped and pushed and tried to get away from him. <laughs> he's in control of what his will is for yeah. us. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, we have the free will. So it's not that we don't have any control. It's just if we want to be, if we want to get to where we want to be, we have to be reliant and uh, obedient. And like you said, surrender, that that kind of surrender to his will mm-hmm. for us. But God can't, I, I guess there, there's a part of me that's grateful that God doesn't give us too much information at, at once. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he, I, get, well, I don't want to say too much, but he'll um, kind of guide us a little or, or give us a glimpse of where he's going, what he's building us into. But for me, it's like, God, you can't give me too much information at once, even if I'm asking for it. Mm-hmm. Because then I'm going to think that, uh, okay, well, since you've told me that, since you've showed it to me and revealed it, when when does that start tomorrow? You know, <laughs> and that's just how I am. I'm like, okay, well, what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean uh, X amount of months from now, or it's going to take me this long to get there? Why why would it, why would you tell me now if it's not going to happen now? Mm-hmm. But then again, that's my own, you know, compulsiveness or what? Is it compulsive or impulsive? Uh. Hmm. Compulsive is more like I have to. Impulsive is I just do what I want to do on the spur. Compulsive is I feel like I'm driven and I have to do this. Maybe it is compulsive then. Because it's like if if you, all right, God, if you reveal that to me now, I'm. when do I start? You know, when when does that come? Does that come tomorrow? He says, no, you, you you need to go through this hard path first. You need to go through this this path first that, that is going to get you ready mm-hmm. to where I have you then or what you're praying on. And I think that's more of it is, you know, some of the things we pray on, we think, okay, well, I, I prayed on them and I feel that God's leading me to this. But we overlook the road that he's going to put us on to build us to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be this long, hard road, but it's not, it, it's only going to be hard because it's not going to look like what we thought it would look like. We're not going to wake up tomorrow and be automatically equipped 
to what he's given us. And I think that has a lot to do with how he speaks to us. When we're asking or we're praying on guidance, sometimes I think we overlook what he does mm-hmm. speak to us, how he does guide us because right. we're not patient. We're not patient people. And when I say we, I'm talking about myself. I'm saying I'm not patient and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. So I'm grouping all the we's together, all the impatient people such as myself in saying, you know, sometimes we overlook and don't hear how he's speaking to us because we don't necessarily have the patience to go down that that road that it's going to take or um, the time it's going to take for him to equip us to be what we're, where, where we want to be or um, get to where we prayed on getting to or fill in the blank. Yeah, I, and I think a piece of what you said too uh, made me think of if we are doing his will, doing the things that we know he has put in front of us and that we should do, then I think what he has for us just continues to unfold. That we don't have to stop everything and say, God, what is it that you want from me? What is it I'm going to do? Um, that we're doing <laughs> what he's setting up for us because it's right in front of us. He keeps he moves us along that path. And we don't have to keep questioning it. Right. Or asking. Or fretting over it, you know? Like some of our... You know, I call it prayer, but I'm really just worrying <laughs> and looping God into my worries about stuff. But I don't think I have to or need to do a lot of that. That if I just keep doing exactly what He's already shown me, then the next thing is going to fall in place. And kind of like you're saying, our impatience mm-hmm. can get the better of us. Because the world will tempt us with ways to get there, just like Jesus was tempted by the devil with ways to rule the world. Um, it happens to us. Things that God has shown us that we're working towards, some worldly way of getting there is going to come in our face. And we're going to think, oh, if I just borrow some money here, oh, if I just do that or whatever, then I'm going to get to what? I know God has for me, mm-hmm. but we've got, again, reading his word, we will get better at identifying that that's not his way, that uh, we can't get to what God has for us with the world's ways of getting there. Well, and to back all this with what the Bible says, you know, look at you know, going through Paul's journey, like we have been over the last several weeks, how many times, and we talked about it earlier uh, on this episode is, um, how many times he thought he was going to be preaching somewhere and was spoken to, to leave. Mm -hmm. I mean, we even see that in, in 16 where he thinks he's going to go to Asia and the Holy spirit forbids him to. Right. But we see down the road that he does go in mm-hmm. to Asia and preaches and ministers and spreads the gospel. It's just it just was not and we're not really given the the full the reason reason why, you know, we're not really given the, much to 
know why they, they he was forbidden at that given time to go. Other than it seems like. So I guess if we connect a couple of things here uh, in Acts 16. That's always fun. <laughs> Let's do that, yeah. Where to begin with, God doesn't let them go into Asia. But immediately following after that, Paul gets a vision of a man in Macedonia, which is Greece today. Right. Um, saying, come help us in Macedonia. So it said, you know, we just said it doesn't specifically say why they can't go into Asia. And this would be Asia Minor uh, that, that they're not going into. But it seems like it's because they're supposed to go to Macedonia. And Paul didn't get all of this. He didn't have this vision of the man until they were already moving, you know, and I don't know if that means that they were moving ahead of God or if they just needed this journey that they were going on before God redirected them over to Macedonia where the timing was right. And like you said, it seems to be all timing. Right. Because Ephesus uh, is in Asia Minor and uh, Colossae, I believe, as well. So, uh, we've got places that Paul's writing letters to and, and planting churches and everything that are in an area that right now the Holy Spirit said, uh-uh, it's not the time to go there. Well, and I've come to learn to not, I mean, when we hear the word, you know, that God forbid them from going, it wasn't, uh, I, I do, I think it was, it seems like a timing and it just wasn't in his will, regardless of what the reason was. It wasn't in God's timing for them to go there. But here, here's kind of a uh, a thought um, or a theory on it. it it's something I've I've kind of come to believe within my own walk. Let's say Paul had gone to Asia, even after God told him not to. Would it have? been the same as when he finally does get there. Sometimes I think, you know, God doesn't have certain things in our path now that he brings us back to just because not just the time isn't right. We, I mean, we can sum it up to the time not being right, but how equipped are we to go into that now, mm -hmm. to get there now, as opposed to going through where he has us to then come back and then go to where we thought, like Paul, you know, mm -hmm. he gets that vision after he already started moving, didn't really know why he was being forbidden to go to Asia, why he couldn't go to Asia. He thought he was going to go to Asia, but let's say he did. Would that message have come out the same way? Would um, something different happened along the way that would have um, hindered their journey? Mm -hmm. That God just didn't see beneficial to his word or his plan for Paul much like us today. Right. I see the flip side of that, or we see the, you can see the flip side of that in the Bible as well. I think about the, with Moses, when they uh, come up to the promised land and they send in those 12 spies to check it out. And uh, only two of the 10 come back and say, yes, we need to move in like God's telling us to. Um, so that's a time where God's saying, yes, move now. And uh, the, the Israelites said, no, we're not going to. <laughs> we're not going to move now. 
And then they hear from the other two and they hear from Moses. And then they backtrack and go, okay, we were wrong. Um, we will go in. Uh, and God said, no, it's too late. You can't go in now. There was that time to go in. And now is not the time to go in. But they went in anyway. And they got beat out. <laughs> they had to come running back out. You know, and we see that at other times where um, God's timing, I guess, the, the point of this is Israel. When we either don't do what he says in his time and later we want to make it happen, uh, then that can backfire just as bad as us impulsively jumping in before he says mm -hmm. it's time uh, for it to happen. So it can go both ways that we don't want to get ahead of God and jump in and we also don't want to put God off and think that we can do the things he's asking us to do later on. You know, I, I, I think a danger of that is when God's calling uh, people to, to do his work and they think, you know what, when I retire, I'm going to do his work because I'll have all that time. But you won't. If you're not doing it now when he's calling, if we're not doing the things he's calling us to do now, then later on, we're not going to be hearing because we're going to, we, if you spend that much time shutting him out and saying, no, I'm not going to do it yet. Then by it's the not time, happen yeah. later. and it's funny you say that because I, I, <laughs> I, I just experienced that in my, you know, last, my walk over the last couple of weeks. And, and we talked about it last week too mm -hmm. on how we say, well, okay, well, if we had more time here, um, we could do such and such. If we had more time in this day or this week, we could do this or, oh, well, once I get to this point in my life, then um, I'll be able to be more involved or mm -hmm. pray more, serve more, what have you. And it's funny you mentioned that because it made me think, I've made those same excuses. Mm -hmm. Oh, if I just had more time or um, if something around the house needed to be done, oh, I'll, I'll get to it when we have time to do it. Over the last couple of weeks, I've had a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Nothing got done on my end. So you're completely right. It's if, if we're shutting out what needs to be done now or what God's called us to do now, doesn't matter the circumstance mm -hmm. or situation later. We're already going to be in that habit of right. shutting him out. And of course, a topic nobody wants to talk about, but even in, the, say, the idea of tithing, um, where we've all been there, where we think, well, I'm having trouble now. So um, when I'm making more money, then I'll start tithing. But the lesson God wants us to learn with giving him his portion back, you know, that being able to show God that you get it, that you get that he is in control, that you know that it's all his and it's his benevolence and it's his grace and it's his kindness towards us for anything that we've got. That uh, if we're giving back out of what he gives us, then, then we get that. 
And probably never do we need to do that more than when we are in trouble because it's God that's going to get us out of, yes, even our money trouble is it's going to be God that gets us out of it. Well, and I think I like to think that it has a lot to do with, uh, you know, our faith in him too. Because we talk a lot about, you know, the obedience and um, the surrender, um, but God wants us to have faith in him too. And and even when we are, we tithe in those times of um, hardship, like you're talking about it, 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 I think it shows a sign. It shows God that we have trust in him to provide, mm-hmm. that we have that faith because problems are never going to go away. Mm-hmm. And I can attest to that. You know, I've, I've been in situations where I've, you know, much like we read in Acts, you know, or was it Acts or it, I may cut that out. Where does he say, um, I've, I know what it is to have plenty and I know what it is to have little. Yeah. I mean, Paul says that I think it's in one of his letters. Okay. How do I jump back into that? And I can attest to that in, you know, being in different positions that, you know, you, you, you're in a good time where things are going great and, you know, you have that, that uh, buffer room to give and tithe and do more with. And then I've been in situations where, Um, I had very little to give and it's, it would never, do we see a a total amount outside of 10%, you know, it it doesn't say, you know, give, um, here, here's what you have, um, give this much of it. I mean, it's, it's, it's what God puts on your heart Mm -hmm. and it's what, and I think that's a big reason why we need to, um, continuously be in prayer and continuously be um, putting ourselves in that communication with God because we're going to get that much more assurance and comfort in knowing that yeah. he's going to provide and and have that faith. Not, not everything is, we're not always going to have the assurance we need to have faith. Um, but yeah, that that's the scripture it reminded me of in uh, Philippians where he says, I know what it is to, be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. And it's funny, you uh, sort of brought that up at the perfect time because that's where Paul and Silas and Timothy are about to go. It's Philippi. Mm-hmm. Once they go to Troas and, and cross over, uh, Philippi is one of the places that they go through. So that's pretty neat that it came up at this timing. <laughs> it came up at this timing. Um, but it's true. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, we, we can. It's easy to sit there and say, oh, I want to make more. I can give more. Yeah. The problems aren't going to go away. We're going to have the same problems and, now as we are if we made twice as much. We're just going to have twice as much problems. It, it, I mean, I've come to realize that it doesn't matter what the dollar amount sitting and continuously coming into your bank account looks like or what position you're in problems are always going to be there. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're saying, uh, like you were saying, if we're already not doing what we're called to do, it's not, we're still not going to do it in that time we think is going to be a perfect time to do it. The perfect time to do it is when we're called to. Mm-hmm. It's the faith and the trust that we have to have in God's promise to realize that we're okay. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And can. Continue to be obedient to what he's called you to do. 
and continue to um, serve him, really. I mean, if, if you if you boil it down, tithing, even though it's not a topic most people like to talk about, that is a form of serving. I mean, it's 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 still a form of serving. We're, we're giving back to the one who provided it to us. It's being that, that servant of God. It's being that child of God, and it's having that faith that, here, thank you, Lord. I know you'll continue to provide no matter what situation I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I'm guilty of it too. I'm guilty of that same thing saying, okay, well, when, uh, uh, when I get paid again, I'll, I'll give double next time. Yeah. We had this joke in my family growing up and I've used it to this day. And it, it even when the kids were younger, it gave them a, a, a good kick. You know, it was a funny thing. And, uh, <laughs> we'd be in a car and we'd get to a stop sign. And if we didn't really come to a complete stop and this is, I got it from my childhood, but it always made me laugh. So I did the same thing to my kids when they were younger, even to this day, you get to a stop sign and, and you don't fully stop or, you know, we're all guilty of that one stop sign we didn't see, but mm-hmm. somebody else did. And you get called out on it. Oh, you, you didn't, you didn't come to a complete stop back there. Oh, that was a stop sign. I'll stop twice next time. But do we ever stop twice next time? Well, no, we don't. I mean, the main it's, it's point just is funny. Like the it, main oh. point is that stopping twice next time doesn't help no. anything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they got a kick out of it, and I got a kick out of it. It's like, oh well, that was a stop sign right there. You didn't really stop. You just kind of rolled through it. Oh, well, I'll I'll stop twice next time. Mm-hmm. We get to the next stop sign, and you still only stop once. And I. I caught myself doing that too and uh but like like you said it's just stopping twice doesn't help the first time because Mm -hmm. let's say you've already blown it you you do that go tell the cop you'll stop twice Mm -hmm. next time and see if you get out of that ticket it's not going to (laughs) happen well the thing the harder thing i think of over there so if you don't do what god's calling you to do the first time you've already blown the blessing now and I, I, I don't want to make this. So how to go back and, and not say, okay, this isn't all about... Uh, what uh, we get in return. Yeah, yeah, it's not what you get in return. And it's also not about... Uh, um, you could blow it by prolonging it too. Yeah, it, it, it's not a works thing. Yeah, this is right. what I want to make sure we get back to. This is not all about works and everything. It's about a matter of the heart. So a matter of the heart is believing that God has the good things for you. A matter of the heart is wanting to do what God has asked us to do. So we're both, we're in both places. Firstly, believing that what God has for us is good. And, and secondly, that me doing the things that God has asked me to do will get me where God wants me and that what he wants for me will be the best blessing of my life. Right. It's odd that we don't even fully think that. We think we're still going to be giving up things that are better. I mean, we wouldn't say that, but it's like that's what we believe. We do we'll say be- that, though. We do. <laughs> because where when you said that, it reminded me of like these times where um, 
you know, we, we do lose things or not, I guess not lose, but we get into this mindset of, okay, well, God took this away from me. And then we go back to that scripture where, you know, or we go back to like the story of Job where he replaces everything that was get, taken by tenfold. Mm-hmm. And then we get so caught up in saying, oh, well, um, you know, he'll, he'll never take from us without giving us something better. But the, it, as true as that may be, it's the wrong mindset to be in because we're thinking we, we nine times out of 10 refer to a blessing as a tangible item to, to something that benefits us when, in, and, and then even in the time of trial, we get in that mindset of, oh, well, there must be something bigger for me ahead because of what I'm going through now or what was taken or, or what I walked away from or what have you, right? Whatever the trial is that we're overlooking what God really has because we're not right. communicating that with him. And, and we do think that that blessing is going to come in the form of something beneficial and not realizing back to what you said, not realizing that sometimes the, the, the bigger blessing in it is our growth mm-hmm. in him. Yeah. I was even, as you're saying that thinking of it, <laughs> say like on a, on a vacation and taking a long car ride and some of us, me for sure, um, only view that car ride as a, how fast can I make it to the destination? And I'm afraid sometimes in our Christian lives, yes, we're, those of us that are guilty with the car ride are guilty with it also with God, that the destination is it. I, and, you know, hopefully it's even a destination God's got for us, but either way, whether it's a destination I think I should get to, or what's the, or something I believe God is pulling me towards. He's never pulling us towards the destination without the means of getting there also being just as important. Right. And that we've got to pay attention along the way and we've got to listen to the people in our lives along the way because God has put them there. We've got to pay attention to who comes into our lives along the way. You know, maybe even especially the irritating people that have come along the way. (laughs) That there's a reason they're there. And it's not to irritate us. So we've got to figure these things out. We've got to look at it and we've got to know. Yeah, I don't even think it's so much to test us either. No. It's, it's, there's it's part a reason. Of the it's part of the it's growth and the need. journey. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm the one. How can I get to from A to F mm-hmm. as fast as possible without going through B, C, D, E? You know, it's, it's, it, I'm, completely guilty of that. It's probably one thing I really battle with is patience mm-hmm. to this day. Even uh, so many years of of um, being a follower and a believer in Christ and being in the Bible and understanding God has his own timing and God has his will. And there's not much I can do to alter what he has for me, even if I think I think it's better for me. Even mm-hmm. if I think I know what's right for me. Um <laughs> It reminds me of, you know, myself being a kid thinking I knew what was best for me and my, my parents saying, no, we know what's best for you because we've been in your shoes before where this is how we're raising you. And then 
coming into me having kids and saying, I, I've already been through all this, so I know what's best for you. I know what, um, how I'm raising you is the attempt to do what's best for you and to keep you from having to go through things the hard way like I did, you know, it's best that you, I share this information with you and teach you how not to go down that road. I think of it like that with even myself as a grown man and God, I'm sitting here saying, Oh God, I know what's best for me. And God says, I know what's best for you. My will for you is what's best for you. And who knows our, uh, what's best for us more than who created us. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how I see it as I'm sitting here with my impatience saying, God, it, it's best for me if this just hurries up. How fast can I get to what's best for me? Right. And then here's God saying, well, your destination, although it's best for you, the time in between here and there, what I'm going to teach you and how I'm going to grow you mm-hmm. is also, like you said, equally as important. The means to get here is just as important as you getting here. Right. But you're right. We don't. Some of us don't think about it that way. We're just like, how fast can we get here? I don't care what's in the middle, mm-hmm. especially when you're referring to like road trips, cross states. Right. What's what do you see for at least if you're on a nine hour drive? What do you see for a good eight of those nine hours? Nothing. No buildings. You might pass a couple of gas stations along the way, but it's all open land, nothing, but that doesn't mean something isn't there. Right. We don't see anything, but there could be a whole journey. It is a very (laughs) short trip to the world's largest ball of twine. Mm -hmm. If you'll just get off of the interstate. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's true, but it's easy to overlook when we're not um, listening when we're yeah. not paying attention to what God is speaking to us. And, and if we were to wrap a whole theme on today's episode, you know, it's, it, it's just that it's how God speaks to us. And that's not for me to really put into a, a textbook understanding of how God speaks to us. Cause it's going to be a little different for each and every person. God speaks to us individually, not the same way as a whole Except for, like you said earlier on, the the main way he's going to speak to us is in this Bible. It's right. going to be in his scripture. That's the one way we all have in common on how to talk to God or how to let God speak to us is through his scripture. But at the same time, if we're trying to hurry and get from this point to this point and not paying any attention to the middle, A, it's going to probably prolong us from getting to our destination, but B... We're going to miss so much mm-hmm. and not even be prepared for what he has for us because we just were not listening to where he was guiding us or how he was guiding us or trying to grow us through the process. And I heard that on a sermon one time. Um, and it was it was a message on being in the midst of a storm and how easy it is and how most of the time we, we just pray to get to the end of it. Oh, God, just mm-hmm. get me through this storm. Or we talk about it and say, I can't wait to get through this storm so much that we miss all the growth in the middle of that storm. We don't necessarily think to pray, okay, God, what do you have to show me or teach me in the midst of this storm? Or like we're talking about, in the midst of this journey, 
that's going to grow me mm-hmm. by the time I get to the destination. Right. And it was interesting to look on the map of how far Paul and Silas and Timothy were having to go to get from somewhere where they were forbidden mm-hmm. to go to in an area that they were trying to get up to to then actually get down to Troas where they were. It was a fairly long journey. And it wasn't a straight shot either. And nothing is written about them stopping and preaching the gospel or anything in between. That it ended, <laughs> I don't know what relevance that has, but I just thought of that when you were mentioning it, that that, mm. that them trying to go somewhere else, you know, led to sort of a, a, a dry spell in between of... Uh, of time. Or I mean, there was no bargain, you know? It's like, okay, well, we'll stop here, 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 and here on the way and do some some ministry. I think it was complete obedience and, okay, you're going all the way mm-hmm. here first. Right. So, I mean, there was probably, you know, I mean, Timothy was was still new with them and really Silas and, and Paul together was still a new thing. So they could have all three been getting to know each other, ministering to each other, all that stuff on the journey. You believe a that. lot of fellowship and yeah. build up, and which and, was maybe necessary for them to be an effective team once they got to a place. We did that read that gonna... last week. Yeah, that um, it was quite customary for the disciples to bring in new people or bring in more people, and then spend um, quite a bit of time with them. By taking them not only on a journey, but spend quite a bit of time with them during that journey mm-hmm. to fellowship and grow them. Right. We saw that happen with Paul even, and we didn't realize, you don't realize it when you just read the the book of Acts, the amount of time that he spent in different places uh, learning and hearing from God and being grown, um, but... But also, yeah, like what you're saying is is falls right into line with what Jesus said. Jesus said we were to go out and make disciples. Um, and that's what they did, you know, and that's what Paul's doing here. Young Timothy has come along and Paul wants to bring him with him. So they uh, are discipling him along the way. And really, Paul was the one being discipled by Barnabas to begin with. Barnabas was uh, the uh, elder, more, I guess, experienced Christian to start with when they were there. So, yeah, I mean, definitely uh, God's work was being done through the whole trip, but it's interesting just to think of this long journey that they made. They didn't have those stops in between that Mm -hmm. they normally do. Well, I think went straight down to Troas. Oh, and one thing I realized as well is it's generally believed along that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke might have joined Paul, Silas, and Tif- uh, Timothy yeah, at that time too. Because seems in, like when they got across 
the little strait between Turkey and Greece, he starts saying we. Yeah, he changed it from he to we, so it's it's perceived that he yeah, joined that them. Joined and them when they got into Greece. Started writing as like an eyewitness. Yeah. So I, that makes me think, too, a part of that fellowship and that journey along the way, I think there was a lot of growth or... Um, yeah, I think Luke joined them when they got... Sharpening of iron. When they got down... Uh, let's see where he first... So it's saying they went down to Troas. But in Troas, perhaps, is where Luke met them. Because that's um, Acts 16. Acts 16.11 is where it's first saying, So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace. I'm sure I'm saying that one wrong. but uh, If you're saying it wrong, I'd say it completely wrong. <laughs> Neapolis. So, so yeah, that we, uh, Luke joining in, um, looks like he joined them at Troas, which would, have been Still after be, the journey, then, or at the kind of at the at destination the point, point. Yeah, almost the destination. Troas is still in Asia Minor to sail across whatever that strait of water is to get into Greece. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, we're not completely given that information on why there mm-hmm. were no stops in between, but it, it's a good reflection, something to reflect on and and think about. Um, Kind of that same concept, letting God speak. And sure. if he had stops to make in the middle, he would have directed them. When I think of it too, say our lives, there are times in our lives that we spend more time just with, say, close family and with God and reflecting. So where we're not out um, doing things and... and the greater public or with other groups or anything that we're, we're pulled in just to our family and spending time there there. And there are times that you need to do that. You yeah. Know, that your family's going through stuff and you know, you, everybody's got to pull in and uh, you know, and let the family heal or grow or whatever is, is going on before you then go back out into the world and, and, and do things. So uh, I think that works in our daily lives as well. And we got to be able to let God fill us yeah. to be able to f- be used to fill other people because we can't just run on empty. And then what are we, what are we pouring into others? Fumes. If we don't have anything to, and, and fumes don't get you very far. <laughs> Although I feel like it's, they've gotten me a long way. Sometimes. Many different times. Sometimes. <laughs> How long you keep that gas light on, and you never know. I used to. That's another story for another day. <laughs> but yeah, I've I've uh, had a couple of times where I tried to test how far fumes would, yeah, take me. But in in our daily walks, it's a burnout. It'll lead to a complete burnout, and then you're not doing anything God and, called you to do. But here's the, I believe if you're if you're doing things that God has called you to do the way. God has called you to do it, even if it seems like it's a lot. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think it will call cause burnout. Right. Because it's actually, I mean, we know. Well, he's equipping us. From doing the things that God has called us to do, when we actually do that, we know that we're energized from it. We know that we feel the power of God flowing through the whole situation when we actually do that. Mm-hmm. And we know that that's where we're supposed to be and we want to be there. So it doesn't, even if you're every night of the week doing something, if it's something God has called you to do. Right. And that's what I'm saying is, but that's where I'm going to is to be able to have at some point that time to let God speak to you. Yeah. Um, If if we're just going and going and going and not having that time, like you said, sometimes you need that time Mm -hmm. to just be isolated with you, God, the family, and God, it, it, it's to, to, that's to get our cup filled to go pour into others. But if all we're doing is trying to pour into others, and y- yeah, you're right. right. You so could be something seven days a week, yeah. but at some point in time in that seven days a week, you're spending that time right. to let God speak to you yeah, and let him speak to you on how he's going to speak to you, on how he's intended. That only allows us to continue to do what he's called us to do. Right. Um, but I've gotten caught up in that too where mm-hmm. I'm just going and going and going, not spending any time to allow him to speak to me because I think I'm good. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm seven days a week. I'm serving God. I'm doing what you called me to do, but I'm not spending any time to let you speak to me. Right. That leads to the burnout. Yep. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this week's episode. Um, big takeaway here in how God speaks to us I think to take away isn't exactly how he speaks to us. It's how we allow him to speak to us. It's how we choose to listen and perceive yeah. it because he's always with us. He's always talking to us. He's always speaking to us, but it's our, I, I guess our own downfall is our own ability to hinder what we hear. Even if it's, even if it's because it doesn't sound like what we wanted it to sound like, or, we're too caught up in our own heads to allow his voice in. And sometimes I wonder if when we're saying, I can't hear God, God's not talking to me. Maybe it's just because we haven't done that thing that he's already told us we need to do. And that's it. There's nothing else to tell us. That's the next thing. Just do it. Even if it's so much as open your Bible. (laughs) Now you're not speaking to me, uh, but have you even jumped into God's word? Mm-hmm. No. So we 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 got to put ourselves in a position to be able to hear what he's how he's speaking to us, and essentially, it's not one of those easier said than done moments. Open your Bible, stay in prayer, and allow Him to pour into you. But thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you guys again next week. God bless.